hope everyone's enjoying the Super Bowl. Remember that the game will last only for a few minutes, but the lessons you can draw from the game could last you much longer and impact your life much more. So I want to share with you one lesson that I, I take away from the Super Bowl. The quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles is a guy named Jalen Hurts. Those of you who don't know, Jalen Hurts has had a very interesting roller coaster ride to get here. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Jalen Hurts? He was the starter for one of the greatest te college teams of all time, Alabama, under the coach Nick Saban. They're playing in the championship against Georgia in 2017. Team is down 13 0 going into halftime. You're the starting quarterback. You're incredible. You've worked your way to get there. The team's on your shoulders, and you're down 13 points. You're not down 100 points. And in that halftime, Nick Saban does the unthinkable. He turns to his freshman, Tua Tagliova, and he places him as the starter over Jalen Hurts. Now, I want you to imagine what it must have been like for Jalen Hurts. This is a championship game. That means it's everyone you know and a million more people are watching it. You come back from the half, and the freshman is now starting. And he leads the team back, and they ultimately win in overtime 26-23. And at that moment, Jalen Hurts' life, which was a steady starter Alabama, high draft pick life, changes. And Tua, this freshman, gets the starting role. And now, all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts who is an upperclassman, is now sitting on the bench. And as you can imagine, it was devastating for him. So much so that in his senior year, he had to leave to go to a different college, Oklahoma. When Oklahoma played Alabama that year in the Orange Bowl, he lost to Tua. So you can imagine Jalen Hurts, down one game, gets replaced, leaves, meets his old team, and then loses again. And his whole life, if you will, changed. Well, Tua left and became the NBA, the NFL draft. He was the number five pick. He was, he was touted. He was loved. He was considered to be a superstar. Jalen Hurts didn't even get picked in the first round. I think he was picked like 50-something. Jalen Hurts was, Tua was picked to be a, a starter from when he first walked in. Jalen Hurts was was the guy standing behind uh, Philadelphia's starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, who was supposed to be a superstar. But Jalen Hurts never gave up, and he never got down. I'm sure he had bad days, but he never threw in the towel. Kept on working, working, and working. And as life has it, Carson blows out. They start Jalen on a whim at the end of the season. He does well. And now, Tua is watching the game from his couch. And Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback for an NFL championship Super Bowl team. Whether they win or not, we don't know. To me, this lesson is so clear. Life throws you challenges. And the people that succeed are those, are those that don't avoid challenges. You want to avoid getting replaced in front of a million people? Don't play football. But if you're going to play football in front of millions of people, 
you're going to get embarrassed sometimes. But the people that don't give up, that never give up, that stick with it, when it's hard, when you don't get the assignment, when you can't learn the Gemara, when the marriage is shaky, when the kids are driving you insane, when it's hard at work, when it's hard to find Hashem, if you don't give up, things change and opportunities present themselves. And one day you feel like, I can't believe that I'm being replaced by a freshman. And the next day you're walking into the Super Bowl because that's how life works. When you do what's right, when you stick with it, opportunities open up for those that don't give up. You know, Lahavdil, Elif Alfe Havdalos, this week's Parsha, or last week's Parsha, was Yisrael. We just finished reading about Matan Torah. And we just finished reading about how Yisrael, the father-in-law of Moshe, who is na- the Parsha was named, so to speak, it's given the name of, comes to greet Moshe, and you can imagine the honor and the COVID that this great man received. Now, what's interesting about Yisro is that the way Moshe even got to Yisro was that he went to the well, if you remember when he left, when he ran out of Egypt, he ended up in Midian, and at the well were these shepherds harassing female shepherds. They were the daughters of Yisro. Well, why were the daughters of Yisro at a time where all the shepherds were men? Why were they there? The answer was because Yisro, who was the Kohen Midian, who was the chief idol worshiper, found Hashem. Or at least found that the idol worship wasn't real. And he made a change. And he rejected it. He did the right thing. You know what happened to him? He got embarrassed. And he got shunned. And he got ostracized. And his kids were thrown to the side. And his daughters, he couldn't get anyone else to work for him. So his daughters had to do it. And when his daughters did it, they got harassed. But he didn't give up. He didn't give in. He didn't go back. His kids didn't give up. He just stuck with him. Day after day, week after week, month after month, until one day a man named Moshe shows up, who they don't know who that is, and sees the doors being harassed and feels for them and goes back to that home. Yisro's decision to reject idol worship and his sticking with it led him to becoming the father-in-law of arguably the greatest human to ever walk the face of this earth. And when the greatest moment ever took place, Hashem revealing himself, it's under the parish of Yisrael and the honor that Yisrael received was unparalleled. Because that's maybe the same lesson. You don't become an NFL quarterback because you give up. Well, you don't become the father-in-law of Moshe because you give up either. In fact, the truth is, you don't accomplish anything of value if you give up. Everyone faces challenges. It's not whether you face challenge. It's how you deal with challenge. My blessing to all of you that are watching. You watch the game. It's just a game. But let me tell you something. When you 
suck out the lessons of that game and change your life. All of us have within us talents to become bigger than an NFL starting quarterback. If we're just willing to fight the challenges and stick with it. I'm deeply grateful to the offices of Chazak and to the offices of Torah Anytime for inviting me to present to you this thought during the halftime show. I really believe that the lesson that I'm about to share with all of you is a full-time lesson in life. All of you who know anything about football know that to get into the Super Bowl, there are a number of teams that are involved in the playoffs, numerous teams compete against each other, and then eventually the winners are the two teams in the Super Bowl. This year, there were quite a few teams in the playoffs, and something happened in one of the games. And it's interesting because that thing that happened, I think, is such a life lesson, even though both of those teams eventually were eliminated. And I'm talking about the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, in their game, it was almost the last moments of the game. The game was tied, 17-17, and Baltimore was about on the two-yard line. They were going to score a touchdown, and that could be the end of the game. But what happened was, as they were on the two-yard line, the quarterback decided to do something very unusual. Instead of passing the ball or handing it off, he decided he was going to jump over the players with their football held in his hand and try to get the touchdown. But unfortunately for Baltimore, what happened was somebody knocked out the ball as he was sort of flying in the air. And a fellow by the name of Sam Hubbard, a huge defensive end. Now, these defensive ends are so big. This guy weighed 265 pounds. He was six foot five and he got the ball. Now, defensive ends usually sack quarterbacks or block a pass or stop the run, but they don't run with the ball. But now he had the ball and he had 98 yards ahead of him to run to make a touchdown for Cincinnati. Now, it's hard to believe, but he was running as fast as he could. Nobody could believe that a guy 265 pounds could outrun all the other players. And sure enough, he scored that touchdown. Now, 98 yards, just so that you know, is 294 feet. Imagine running full speed. The guy needed oxygen by the time he got back to the bench. But the point is, that won the game for Cincinnati. And afterwards, when they interviewed him, he said an amazing thing. They asked him, how in the world could you do that? And he said that in the summer, he had a trainer and the trainer would make him run 110 yard sprints 15 times a week. And that's how he did it. He was prepared. And that's what this topic about is all about being prepared. In the summer, when nobody was watching, and this guy was running these sprints over and over and over, he must have thought, this is ridiculous. I'll never need this. But he was prepared for that moment. And that's what we have to learn in life. We must always be prepared for all eventualities, for things that we know are going to happen, and even things that we don't realize. Now, for example, I'll give you an idea. Let's say a child, a teenager, is about to graduate high school. They're a senior whether it's a boy or a girl. Now, 
The boy's going to have to make a decision. Does he continue in yeshiva? Does he go to work? The girl's going to decide, is she going to go to work? Is she going to go to seminary? But you can't be thinking about it in the senior year. you got to be prepared a year in advance. you got to think about it. Because if you make the minute, the last minute decision, you're going to make the wrong decision. You've got to be prepared in advance. A Balchuva told me. He became a Balchuva later in life. And he was having children. And because he realized his kids are going to go to yeshiva. And he's not going to know the halachas that all of us that were born from know. So he started a seder Mishnah Brura. He's been learning Mishnah Brura for 22 years. Every single day. Because he was prepared for when his kids come home from yeshiva. And they say, dad or Abba, that's not how we do things. He would never have to be embarrassed. Because he knows Mishnah Bura backwards and forwards. He prepared himself for that eventuality when his kids come home from school. Now, I go away almost every Shabbos. My wife and I, we, I speak in different places. And I have a list. I have a list that I keep on my phone of things that I have to take with. If I'm not prepared, I'm going to about to forget things. Now, I'll give you some of the things that you would normally might forget. But like this, if I have it on the list, I'm prepared. For example, you go to a convention hall or you go to a hotel. And, you know, they bring chumashim, but not every chumash has targum. So I have written down a chumash with a targum because I say shnai mikor vecha targum. Another thing that I have is to close the front porch light. You might forget that. Bring an extra pair of cufflinks. I always wear cufflinks when I speak. And so therefore you prepare in advance for the eventualities. And those people that are prepared, they are the ones that are successful. And that's what Shalim HaMelech tells us in Mishlei Chafalafei. Machshavayz chorutz, the thoughts and the plans of somebody who's diligent, it's always beneficial. However, somebody's got a rush at the end. It's only going to be for a loss because he's not prepared. And that's what the Gemara tells us in Hanazok and in Gitten. That's a Pasuk in Mishlei. Worthy, praiseworthy is that person who fears what the future might be and what the results could be of actions or inactions. But somebody who's hard-hearted, he's going to fall and he's going to fail. He's going to fall into misfortune. And Lahavdal Elif Avdallah's Benjamin Franklin said once, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. We've got to be prepared for every aspect in life. And I'll tell you a great story. A great story. You know, there was a Kaila wife that I happen to know. She doesn't want I should mention her name. She came back from Meretz Yisrael with her husband. They had been there for a long time. And what happened was that she had to get her license because the license expired. And now they had moved out of town. He was going to give a shear someplace. And in this place out of town, it was very suburban. Even to get to the grocery, you had to have a car. So she called the um, place where you get the license, the licensing bureau. And they said they'll give her an appointment for two months. She said, two months? That's ridiculous. I got to get food for my children every day. I need a car. So they said, okay, come down one o'clock. The inspector will be there. Now listen to this. One o'clock, she comes down. The inspector's there. He gets into the car, she gets into the car, and she drives beautifully because, of course, she knew how to drive. Now, at the end, when she got out of the car and he got out of the car, she knew that he was going to try to shake her hand just to say congratulations if she passed, which she did. As he walked towards her, and she was prepared for this because she thought about it in advance, he put out her hand and she said, I'm sorry, I can't shake your hand. And he said, why is that? She said, Jewish people, the connection, the physical connection between man and wife by Jewish people is reserved only for a man and his wife or a parent and their child. He stepped back. He looked at her. 
She thought positive she was going to get failed. And you know what he said? That is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Could you imagine? Because she was prepared. She thought he might want to shake her hand, and she prepared what to say besides the Kiddush Hashem. But look how she saved the situation. And I'll just tell you one more thing. We all want to prepare for Mashiach. You know what the Pasuk tells us? How are we going to get Mashiach? If we return by giving Tzedakah, let us take this opportunity and think about the Meiser that we give and the Tzedakah that we give. Make a Cheshben. I'm telling you, you think that you're giving Meiser, but you have to go to a Rav. You have to go to a Rabbinic authority. Let him see what you're making and tell you what you are Mechoyev to give. And if we do that, we give the proper Tzedakah, we'll be Zoycha to Mashiach. Let's be prepared for all eventualities, especially coming of Mashiach. Thank you. Since 2006, Chazak has inspired thousands of people via its numerous life-changing programs. From little children to teenagers. From men to women. From yeshiva students to young rabbis. And everyone in between. Chazak touches them all, educating, inspiring, and guiding thousands throughout the year. People are often looking trying to figure out, how can I lose weight? So I have an idea. Become a professional football player. Do you know that in one game, a running back will lose five pounds? Five pounds in one game. That's like two kilo or something like that. We're talking about a third of a stone if you're from England, but you're probably not watching a football, American football if you're from England. But the point is, nonetheless, is that five pounds in one game, that's unbelievable. And that's just a running back. A lineman, those big heavy guys that are trying to protect the quarterback and trying to kill the quarterback, those guys lose an upwards of 9 to 10 pounds per game. That's amazing. How do they lose so much weight? You know why? Because they're exerting a tremendous amount of energy. Every time we finish a mesechta, we make a siyam, we actually say the words, Anu ratzim vehem ratzim. We're running and they're running. We're running to We're running to get closer to Hashem. Ultimately, the Haim Ratzim. Where are they running to? And they're running Shachas. They're running towards something which is not what we're running to. Both of us are running, and you see what they do. They run in the game. They put in so much energy because they have a goal in mind. They have a goal, which is pretty amazing. Imagine you go and you ask a football player to play a game. They could play an hour, two hours, three hours. But ask them to play that very same game with no ball. Pretend like there's a ball. Go run and back and forth, back and forth, and see how long they're going to do it for. Even though they can normally do this for like an hour or two hours or three hours, but when you take the ball away, for some reason, they're only able to do it for like a couple of minutes. How come? Rav Noah Weinberg, Zichar Tzadik Levracha, used to discuss this idea. You know why a guy can play a football game for hours on end? or a basketball game, or a soccer game, or whatever it is maybe they're playing, and we take away the ball they're not able to? The answer is because they keep their eye on the ball. They're focused. They're focused on something. They have something they're focusing on. And you have something you're focusing on, even though it may be difficult, it may be hard, you may have to exert a lot of energy, at the end of the day, you're able to get there. You're able to get there because I have something that I'm heading towards. I have a goal. I'm focused on that goal. Yes, it's difficult and challenging and hard. There's no question about it. But you ask a guy in the middle of a football game, aren't you tired? Don't you want to rest a little? They go, 
tired, we got to go get that ball, right? They're so focused on something that they're able to go ahead and overcome incredible challenges, incredible pain, incredible exhaustion. Watch when the game ends. Take the ball out. Boom. They are tired. They fall to the floor. I can't do this anymore. I'm so exhausted. My friends, when we make a scene, when we say, we see with our own eyes that it's true what they're saying. They're running. They're certainly running. Are we running? Can we say the same thing? Really? Are we running? Do we run to the base measures? Do we go with a fervor? Do we go with passion? Do we say, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. It's difficult. Well, you know what? If you keep your eye on the ball, if you keep your eye on the ball and you have your goal in mind and we're focusing on that, that even though maybe we're tired, maybe we're hungry, maybe we're exhausted, but at the end of the day, I got my eye on the prize. Therefore, anuratsim. We're also running. Raboisai. We have to be making sure we're doing at least what they're doing. At the very least. It's a muscle. We know that Eidu Chacham, who's a wise person, Halomin Mikol Adam, someone who learns from every person. We have to learn from something. We have to learn from the whole world. When we see people dedicating their lives and pushing themselves to be the best that they're able to be by focusing on an end game, on a prize and going towards it, we have to learn from them to do the same thing. We as well. We have to understand our end game. Our end game is Kirva Salukim, getting close to the Ribbono Shalom. What's the ball, so to speak? What's the... What's the, what do we focus on to get there? That's Torah and mitzvahs. Making sure that we are rutzim. We're running. It's hard. It's challenging. We're exhausted, but we don't notice any of that. You know why? Because I got my eye on the prize. I got my eye on the ball. And if we got my eye on the ball, then we can actually make sure that we're part of that. As we make a C and we go and we finish in a second, we can look back and say, Anu rutzim. We are running. It's not only them that ran, but it's us also that ran. And you know what? We're running to something which is really valuable, which is really worthy. We've got to make sure we keep that in our mind's eye. We've got to make sure we have an end game. We've got to be heading towards that and keeping our focus. Keep your eye on the ball. When you keep your eye on the ball, you'll be able to overcome any exhaustion. And who knows, maybe you'll even lose some weight along the way. Over the past few decades, there have been certain tragedies that happened in Am Yisrael that are so etched into the hearts and minds of our people that we can never forget the dates, the places, and the innocent lives that were lost. It's hard to single out a certain event uh, that was more painful than others because every year dying is, is a horrible thing. But there was one story that hit Am Yisrael like a ton of bricks. And that was, of course, the story of Dr. Applebaum and his daughter, Nava. A Palestinian terrorist walked into a cafe. Cafe Alel in Rechov Emek in the center of Jerusalem, detonated himself, killing seven people, injuring dozens more. And what makes it all the more tragic is that in that cafe was a father and a daughter, Dr. David and Nava Applebaum. While they sat at a cafe, a father-daughter talked the night before the wedding. A bomber tore apart the restaurant. They both they both died. The wedding gown that she was supposed to wear the next night was made into a parochas. If you visit Kevin Rachel, you can see that beautiful white parochas, that covering that was made out of her gown. At the time, Eitan Katz was learning in Yeshiva Shari Yashav in Farakaway. And when he heard the news, like the rest of Am Yisrael, he was devastated. He was so broken. He was shattered. It was such a painful 
thing to stomach. It was just a, it was unbearable. And I remember the night after it happened, uh, I was sitting in, in, in yeshiva, I was sitting in the base medrash, and I was looking around, and I was just like having these moments of just tremendous pain and wondering what Hashem wants from us. And I started crying from the emotion and, you know, that feeling when you become so overwhelmed with what's going on. And I, I, put, I put my head down on the stander and I fell asleep. And I, I had this dream, very short dream. And Dr. Applebaum and his daughter, Anava, were walking down the chuppah. But it wasn't the chasen by the chuppah, it was the Kaddosh Baruch by the chuppah. That was the, the scene. And in the background, you know how by the chuppahs there's music playing, there's a certain type of nigun, and there was a certain nigun playing in the in the background in the stream. up. I don't, in no way, shape, or form do I claim that this is what was happening in Shemayim. What do I know? I have no idea. But this is the pain that I felt. This is the way my neshama interpreted what was going on in the world. And he ran to grab a recorder. He recorded that song. And he eventually put it to the words, the timeless words of David HaMelech we all know. With all the pain, with all the suffering, especially when something happens of such a... The father and daughter, the night before the wedding, it was just such a painful thing. No matter what. And I sing the niggin a little bit with a certain sense of pain, but also a certain sense of joy. Even if I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I feel like life is so bleak, it's so dark, it's so hopeless. I still draw strength from the fact that I know that you are with me. What Atom Katz has given us with that song is that hope, that strength to forge forward. I die, 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 I